listening to Wallet Rewind with Kyle Joseph and Riley Turner. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wallop Rewind. This is January 2024 edition. We're bringing back Wallop Rewind after a little bit of a hiatus, some network issues that have now been resolved, and excited to review some old pay-per-views. Excited is a a manner of speaking, but joining, I'm Kyle Joseph, and joining me as always, Rylan Turner. Rylan, how are you doing? I've been better. Uh, I am currently during do, doing I think fourth or fifth or third I don't know bout of COVID. It's been it's been it, it's been uh, not as bad necessarily as the times that I um, have been dealing with it before, but uh, I'm still feeling like shit. So time time will tell how this one goes. Never fun to deal with it. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, dealing with a bout of it as of recording, but we're going to get through this show regardless, see how it treats us. And it's Royal Rumble season. It is. It is. And we're in January, which means we had to review a Royal Rumble, and I threw a dart at a dartboard and picked Royal Rumble 2000. This was a choice. It was a choice that I was shocked that you made considering the content of this program. Oh, I didn't look at any of the shows beforehand. Like, I knew who won the 2000 Royal Rumble, but I didn't really look into the show because I just sort of wanted to do it blind. Right. And I knew, like, I know some of the bigger Royal Rumbles of that era. I did not know this one. And, well, I'll say the Rumble match itself was better than when we did 99. I think we did 99 last year. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a bad show. Um, this was a show. Are you ready? Is there anything you want to talk about as we get into the actual show? Anything you sort of wanted to mention off the top before we get into it? Uh, I just, I, I follow our, after this pay-per-view was over, I was in the group chat during my first viewing of this show. And um, I continued watching the Raws afterwards. And man, they ran New York City like crazy in this era. Like, Madison Square Garden got this WWE programming constantly. So, it was just, it was an interesting little fact about that. But no, Kyle, let's jump right into the the program. So, the show was January 23rd, 2000 from Madison Square Garden in New York City. As we are on the road to WrestleMania. And to get into it, the first match that we had was Taz and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle had a mystery challenge opponent that he was going to be facing, and that opponent in this case was Taz. To this point, Kurt Angle hadn't lost a match. This was Taz's debut as well. Yes, it was. It was Taz's WWF debut. Not much to say about this match. A lot of suplexes between the two of them, which is no surprise between these two. Taz ends up getting a sleeper hold to pick up the victory. The everyone was complaining, or I wouldn't say everyone. Lawler and Angle were both complaining that this was a chokehold and that's illegal. And I don't know what they're talking about. WWF's um, understanding of the rules of wrestling is very teetering, but suffice to say, uh, short match, only about three minutes, 
entertaining. Yeah, like I think I think uh, you said way too short. <clears throat> I think you said off air that um that Kurt Angle was still a little green at this point, but you could definitely see the greatness was showing. I think the character was more green than the the in ring. Although I did see some definite stuff in this match that showed me that he had not wrestled a, a heck of a lot yet. And he obviously got better as time went on. He's one of the greats. Uh, Taz, uh, uh, unbelievably explosive in his WWE debut. This program, uh, like I said, I watched the Raws following this show. This program would lead into Kurt Angle being managed by Bob Backlund and imploring the uh, impl- <clears throat> or employing the um, cross-arm chicken wing as his finish. And uh, fun fact, chokehold. There so, you go. And this was... I, this was nice. It was only about three minutes, which is too short. I think you probably could have given these guys at least a couple more minutes, especially like they went to the outside at one point. I feel like they could have brawled on the outside a little bit longer, uh, done a little bit more with that. But no, just in the quick in and out, and Taz ends up getting the victory. And a nice showing for, for both of these guys. Right. Albeit a very short match. It's very rare, I would say, going back on these old shows where I would say, this match was that too short, or that match was too short. I think I have a four on this show that were too short. Yeah, 100%. Second match was the Hardys and the Dudleys. The Dudleys come out to do their promo first. This is a, the inaugural tag team tables match. And boy, did they not have the rules of this sorted out even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the line. I believe JR said it that. Um, you can only win by putting uh, by a t- your opponent going through a table offensively, as if defensively he could put somebody through a table. Well, um, it's, I, supp- it's, I suppose if you roll off a table and somebody goes through it, it's 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 not an offensive move. But it just it seems such a weird way to say it. The whole thing was really silly. So I'll say that Dudley's uh, off the rip got a John Rocker reference in. If you've never looked up John Rocker, don't he is a real piece of garbage human being continues to be by the way yeah uh but but yeah just a really terrible human being uh was a former relief pitcher and actually the basis for kenny powers in eastbound and down if anybody has ever watched that show which is much better than anything john rocker has ever done in his life um we got a lot of chair shots to the head in this match yes yes Concussion protocol in, in the year 2000. Between this and the segment with Kurt Angle in the back, where they were checking him out, I was like, oh my God, they had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. So, I mean, 2000 is not that long ago. So, yeah. and some of the, the, I think the one that really jarred me more than any of the others, because some of them like looked, were like visibly noticeable, but I think there was one where Jeff Hardy, I think, hit Bubba Ray Dudley in the back of the head with a chair. And it wasn't like the hardest shot of any of them, but like chair shots to the back of the head should just never happen. No. Chair shots to the sh- to the head shouldn't happen, period. But back of the head is just another level of brutal. We also... So the rule of this was that a team has to go consecutively through the tables in order to lose. JR understood this and then didn't really he mentioned it off the top um because in the middle of the match the hardys 
went consecutively through tables as they jumped and missed uh, both of their table opportunities and went through the tables themselves. And that didn't end the match because the Dudleys had to put them through the tables. They didn't just have to go through the tables, which, oh, Jesus. Um, that's is that the spot you're talking about that was on the outside of the uh, the ring? Yeah, yeah, where he, where uh, Jeff jump does uh, a jump down, uh, trying to go through a table. I think it was Bubba Ray who moved out of the way at the last minute, and then Matt did a suicide dive out. And it was it was reversed. It was Jeff did the suicide dive. Jeff Hardy looked like he almost died. Like that was a terrifying, yeah. I, I, I don't know when you wanted to, to put this in. I got to give my uh, Lance Storm award to Jeff Hardy. Uh, he got he put himself through the most damage possible. Uh, probably one of the lower paydays on this card. And um, yeah, like at this time, man, the Hardys were exciting. They they it's amazing that 24 years later, they're still going and not nearly as fun and acrobatic as they are in this time obviously age takes a big play into that the Dudley's like I feel like if they could have this match in 2024 they'd be able to survive it just fine it's a lot of smoke and mirrors with the Dudley's which is fine Mm. um well yeah we we did get Bubba Ray going through the double table uh, on the outside in just a, a straight fall which looked it looked like a, a as about as safe as you're gonna be able to take that that uh, spot, yeah, which was good. It's good when everything sort of works out. We had a few tables later in the show that didn't quite go the way you really want them to, but uh, the match ended on with Jeff Hardy doing a swanton off of the uh, a spot in the in the second level of the crowd through a table with Devon Dudley on it. They got the consecutive tables with them doing offensive moves to do it, which I guess counted because Bubba Ray was hit by a cheer and then teetered and fell through tables. Counts. Whatever. Hardys win this match. This is very like proto trying to build towards what would eventually become TLC. But... Well, they had it by Mania, so... Yeah. But this this match was it wasn't great. Oh no, it was good. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. It was good. It, again, this match was probably a bit too short. I think I would have liked to see these two teams like tag a bit and do or like you know wrestle a bit before we got into the actual table spots. But they went right to the outside and right to the chaos. About ten minutes for this match. Uh, enjoyable though. Yeah, just oh, yeah. uh, for a little the the rules, the rules were kind of the big drawback for me. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say, like for me, like I think if they had a better understanding of what this match was supposed to be, <laughs> it would have been a little bit better. Like at least commentary wise, I don't feel like the in ring action really was all that bad. It was just it was a car crash and it was just plunderous yeah. and. For this crowd, they ate it up, but like for the viewer at home, especially 24 years later, it was uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Tables matches, I'm always, you know, the tables matches, you go through the table once, it's over. If you want to do the rule, like both team members have to go through tables, I think that's fine. But as soon as Jeff and Matt went through tables, then this whole thing just sort of, you know, it unravels. But it was it was fun for the crowd. 
Now we get to the Miss Rumble swimsuit contest. Oh lord. Um we had a bunch of legends question mark showing up to judge this thing. Um Fabulous Moolah was one of them and was I feel like they cut away from this, but I feel like somebody pulled in the Fabulous Moolah to kiss her while she was coming down to the judges table like a random audience member. That was really weird. Yeah. Yeah, I did I missed that, but god um, Andy Richter was also here. <laughs> Andy Richter was the best judge. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, was... for me, he, he you could have had Conan O'Brien, but you went with Andy Richter, and which is fine. Also, Andy Richter aged not has not aged a day since two thousand. So there's yeah, that. He, he, yeah, uh, but there's it was the facials during this whole thing was priceless. So the competitors, of course, this was hosted by by Cherry Lawler because, you know, 2000. Uh, the competitors were Ivory, uh, Terry, I'm assuming Terry Reynolds. Um, yes. Jacqueline, who, Christ. Um, Lawler called her Jackie, which just... They had a character named Barbara Bush, because of course they did. Uh, Luna Vachon and the cat were all the of the competitors. And then the final competitor was Mae Young, who literally took her top off. Was a thing that happened, censored on the broadcast. Uh, by the way, this cost um, their deal in the UK. Did it? Yeah. Channel 4 was not happy about this at all. Mark Henry is out there. I guess that was the story that was going at the time. He made the save, that poor audience. Oh my god. This was awful. Um like we have gone through our fair share of 2000s era like uh, TNA um segments through these various pay-per-views. I think this is the worst one. It's yeah. right up there. Yeah, it's close. It's oh, from no, what we've seen so far. You know what? Uh, no. The mud wrestling pregnancy fake out. That was worse. Right. 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 I forgot about oh, that. Good old WCW. WCW. <laughs> 2000 to the rescue. Oh, God. <laughs> awful. Awful stuff. Anyway, right around the same time, I think, because that was, was that not New Blood Rising? Yes, it was. So, which would have been a month later after this. Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, enough of that. This is this is all. Um, uh, there was more. There was another woman who at least got to wrestle later in the show and didn't have this. But oh boy, The Rock cut a promo. He was the only one who was allowed to cut a promo because we we can't you know we don't want to telegraph too much who's going right. to win this thing. Um, we we did do that. He talked about his greatest adversaries. The real threats of this match were Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh. And if he can get if The Rock can get through those guys, he felt confident that he could win it. And he guaranteed that he would win if he was down in the finals against the big show. I wonder who's going to be the last two competitors in this rumble. Um we get to our next match, which was a tag team match between the New Age Outlaws and the Acolytes. I 
am going to go on a little bit of a left field turn. This match was criminally short. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This wasn't even three minutes. The, the Outlaws' introduction was longer than the match itself. <clears throat> but I will give the Acolytes my Lance Storm Award for today. Oh, wow. Because they carried the Outlaws to something that was entertaining and pulled it off in only two and a half minutes. And I'll give them credit for that. Yeah. I, I mean, like in this era, this was pre APA. They would start the APA in a couple weeks uh, with promos where they were driving, talking about, or just telling road stories, and then you'd get get a logo, or the APA logo pop up on the screen and go, APA, because we need beer money, which really questioned to me how much they were being paid at this time. I liked the APA. I did. I did. I too. thought it was an underrated act, and I feel like it could have been used way better. Yep. Because... I feel and that's the thing that I think wrestling companies should do more of, which is to have like hired guns. Um, that's such an easy tag team or like small faction thing is to have a group of people who's always there, no real allegiances, just whoever happens to be paying them. And it just it gives you an easy presence. Like very like Wardlow had a re- had that as a really good role for MJF in his uh, first part of the company. It's a good way to you know introduce somebody like like that, a big tough guy, right? And and to ease them in before they have to do any like real wrestling or anything like that. They tried to do that with Satnam Singh. It's not working anyway. That was the first four matches. And a segment. The total runtime of those matches was a little over 20 minutes. There were two matches left. Yeah. Would you have been upset if any of these... Oh, sorry. I missed one. I, I completely forgot that I had missed a match. Um, the IC title match happened. Um, this was probably my least favorite match on the card. Um, I thought it was bad by any stretch. Just... Hardcore Holly never did anything for me. And I thought Jericho and China had some solid exchanges, but I almost would have just rather see them have a one-on-one. Yeah, that's what they had been doing, I think, for the last few months. And Hardcore Holly just kind of got thrown in the middle of it. Just to, I think, because at this time, Jericho and China were the co-owners of the Intercontinental yes. title. And this was to yes, crown the undisputed Intercontinental champion. Jericho ends up winning this with the lion salt. I think it was a good, a good s- sequence to finish. That, and I'll say that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. That was a with the superplex. We had um, China attempting the walls of Jericho, Jericho with the running bulldog, and then the lion salt on her to pick to get the victory. Um, again, good sequence at the end. I can't, uh, I'll also can't believe I'm saying this. If we were going to do this, I feel like they could have used a fourth competitor. Yeah, I think the fatal four way would have worked better, so, and I feel like Hardcore Holly just didn't really do anything for this match for me. That's fair. It's totally fair. Triple H, Cactus Jack, WWF Championship on the line in a street fight. This match was violent. Yes, God, where do we even get into that? Where do we even start with this? Like, we had barbed wire, we had tacks, we had planks of wood that that skewered Triple H's leg early on in this mm-hmm. match uh we had 
we had t- uh, tables that uh, we had a table break on the outside, and then attempted uh, pile driver to dispatch and that table. That thing didn't give an inch. No, no, not even a little bit. Um, Which these two were uh, like Triple H was visibly bleeding very heavily. Um, yeah, this but, was like the first time I think he ever did color in the WWE, and he immediately set the tone of every time I do color, I'm going to be disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I one thing I did want to highlight too is the promo package leading up to this. Like when they do the reveal that it won't won't be mankind, it'll be Cactus Jack in this match. Triple H's facial expression was phenomenal. And this is a time when, like, this guy was not getting good reactions, and this is the match that really solidified him as a top guy. WWE, WWE's video team has been maybe the best thing they've had going for the last, you know, 25 years. Right. Consistently able to turn messes of segments into a cohesive, understandable narrative in three minutes. Yes, they've done well. They've done. I wouldn't say that everything, every promo package on this card was that good, but I thought that you know that one especially. It really told the whole story. It you know it showed the bits with the Rock being involved and the rest of the Ross. Basically, that Triple H and Stephanie, who were running the company at the time, were driving. Mm-hmm a wedge between the the competitors and wanting to work for them. It it was, it was good. And, and again, like I thought that reveal was great. I thought this match was the match of the night for sure. Um, Mick Foley is so willing to do terrible things to his body. And like, you think about like the tax, like he brought the tax out. Did triple H really have to face the tax all that much? Not really. Like the only thing he would have had to deal with was, when he like goes uh, down to finish the pedigree, that was it, right? And he he pedigreed him twice on the tax, or twice, and then once well, no, on the tax. Yeah, once once uh, off the tax, and once on the tax, and oh, Foley was covered in them on his face too. I can't like take back tax to the face; it's just awful. Um, the back body drop was one thing, and that was you know. I feel like back with tax is always like the standard and oh God, I can't imagine how bad that is, but hacks of face. That's terrifying. I do want to point out too, though. I thought the commentary was, I think triple or sorry. I think uh, Jim Ross gets all the credit he deserves for this era, but without Austin, Jim Ross kind of feels like he's lost in whatever stories are going on too. He seems like he mm. doesn't quite understand what it all is and what it's all about. He's really perfect for Austin. I find, mm. but like him and Jerry Lawler during this match were excruciating. Like, the thing about it for me is that I understand a lot of people look back at the uh, at the Azure era and just sort of like writ large say that it's great. I have yet to see an example in the Attitude era of a Jerry Lawler like commentary that I actually enjoyed. I thought I you know Ross Heyman was always better than Ross Lawler. I agree, hundred percent. And Lawler was just. I, I like I've always found Jerry Lawler to be very annoying. I feel like he would have made a better manager than he ever did a color commentator. But yeah, this was just a mess. 
Um, everything about this was like, like their, their commentary. I, I think Jim Ross, I, I feel like I've, I've sometimes slagged on, on Jim Ross a little bit. I think he was good throughout this show. Lawler was insufferable. Yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's a, a big ask to be J, uh, Jim Ross playing the guy who thinks that Jerry Lawler is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's ultimately the thing, uh, God, that, We'll get to peak. We'll get to Lawler being uh, very annoying later, but uh, the match was very good. Yes, I yes. thought like there's nothing really to say. Like this is considered to be a, a big, like all time great match and everything. It was violent. It was bloody. It was good, like a very good street fight. And these two, you know, went out and gave everything. I'll give them full credit for that. But you do you know what they followed this one up with? Um. I don't know what happened at No Way Out. I, I know WrestleMania. This this WrestleMania is the McMahon in every you know in every corner. Right. So after this pay per view wraps, they give Mick Foley another chance. So Cactus Jack comes back once again at No Way Out to face Triple H in a hell in a Hell in a Cell match. Um, where I believe they almost I believe they either went through the top or they almost went through the top again or something like that. Like it's a forgotten hell in a cell match, I think. Um, in the grand scheme of all of them, there's been so many, but it, it, especially for being one that was very good. But it was the one that basically had it so Mick Foley had to come back to WrestleMania as Mick Foley because once he lost, he was forced to retire. Mm. And then Linda, Linda McMahon, the great Linda McMahon, had to bring him back as Mick Foley with the green flannel. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about this match? I don't think there's too much to say. No, great. no, it was a great match, match of the night for sure. And uh, like stands the test of the time as one of the greats in the, I'd say even in the last 30 years. So that leaves us just with the Royal Rumble, 30 man Royal Rumble. Uh, this one clocked in at under a little under an hour. Um, this was a very mediocre rumble. So the hallmarks for a good rumble, I feel like are the opening part has to be fun in some way, which I think this Royal rumble, Royal rumble achieved. Uh, the early competitors, uh, came out the first like early heavy hitter was Rikishi. He ended up being seven eliminations in this rumble, which was the most of anybody. And it took a whole bunch of people to get rid of him. But we got uh, Grandmaster Sexy, and we got Scotty Duhati. We got Too Cool doing the dance. Rikishi started eliminating both of them. I, I did get a kick out of Lawler praising uh, Grandmaster Sexy. Yes, that was so, always funny, because he, he, he never... He, that was a, a continuous thing that they always did with those two. Yeah. Never, never acknowledged it, of course, that... Uh, no, uh, Brian Christopher was was Lawler's son. I, I do say I will. I want to make the point that I thought it was funny that number entrant number one was D'Lo Brown, whose gimmick was cocaine, and entrant number two was Grandmaster Sexay, whose gimmick was crystal meth. And they just proceeded to start this rumble off the right way. So here's what I'll say about this Royal Rumble: is ter- in terms of problems with it. There were way too many forgettable competitors and way too many people who had already wrestled that night. Right. Of the people in this match, Jericho, Hardcore Holly, China, Billy Gunn, 
Um, Farouk and Bradshaw and Road Dog were all in wrestling matches earlier in the night. And they all wrestled again. And I don't think any of them added anything to this. No, I 100% agree with you. Like, there just was a period of time, much like in the 99 Rumble, where just nobody seemed to matter. And it was a lot of guys... Uh, Kai and Ty. Let's talk about Kai and Ty in this. Oh. Okay, for, this is the thing I wanted to mention. Uh, so, uh, talking about Chinoku and Funaki... Um, Funaki invaded three times because Michinoku presumably actually legitimately hurt himself. Yes. And they kept playing the clip because of Lawler, where Taka Michinoku took a brutal bump on the outside where he like face planted straight over the top rope. Um, and then all of course Lawler kept calling them Chinese, which oh my god, stop. Mm. Yeah, this is a weird thing. Like, I mean, Kai and Tai was never treated like it's just weird, you know, seeing Taka Michinoku treated like this, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is like this guy, this this was really the highlight of his his career was this character. Like, even his stuff in New Japan wasn't awesome. He had other stuff. Like, he was he was a champion in all Japan. Like. Okay, um, well, I'd say, okay, fine. Uh, for, like, then a highlight of his career in a sense that, like, he was on worldwide television. And, and <clears throat> don't get me wrong, like, this bump was awful. And you're right. The, the, yeah. the amount of times they replayed this thing was, it was a, it was very evident that it was the year 2000 in a sense that, mm. like, like I said earlier, like, the amount that they knew about concussions and, like, back then it was called getting your bell rung and he just kind of walked it off. Where this guy, like, he, they mentioned on the broadcast that he was taken to a hospital. So why do we need to view this three times? Yeah. Um, to the match itself, again, that middle section was just not very interesting. And legitimately after, because Rikishi was sort of the, the killer in the early stages. And I think they gave him a very good run. And like a proper showing. They tried to make Big Boss Man a thing, which... In the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't just a Georgia police officer anymore. He was, he was Vince McMahon or, or whoever heel wanted to have him, uh, his, his personal, like shit kicker. Well, he was, but he was the, um, this was, was this, uh, this was post ministry, right? Yes. Yeah. That's why Taker wasn't there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so really, the match came down to the end where three people entered, and the only three people who really had a chance to win the entire thing, which is The Rock, Big Show, and Kane. Um, and even then, it was going to be, it was always going to be The Rock. The final part of this wasn't that interesting. X-Pac did eliminate Kane after he was eliminated himself, which, yeah, I guess that led towards those two, but... Yeah, this was, and even the final sequence between Big Show and The Rock was not that interesting. No, it all had, and honestly, it was it was a story that they were just going to play on TV the following weeks, where Big Show's disputing the fact that he didn't lose the Rumble because The Rock's feet touched the ground. Which, by the way, they did. 
They did definitely mm-hmm. touch the ground. We didn't see the view uh, on on this program, but when they replayed it on Raw the next night and the night a- or the week after that, Brock did not win this Rumble. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this: everyone who talks about you know attitude is this sort of big whatever it is big deal uh, thing. This period between a lot of like you know you mentioned Taker not being here. Uh, Michaels wasn't here. I mentioned a sort of off um, uh, off air. Austin was hurt, obviously, and this was pre bringing in the WCW guys who would like you know the radicals who would be a you know a driving force to keep the mid card at least entertaining. This pre Ray Mysterio. This is pre you know a lot of those guys and. This show kind of, to me, showed how thin this roster was Mm -hmm. at this period of time. You're right. Without Taker and Austin and a few of the other big names that we... And even, like, McMahon wasn't on TV at this point either. And I know that that's not saying much for your in-ring talent, but, like, he was a powerful character. So Mm -hmm. having it so Triple H and Stephanie were kind of running the show with you know, whatever DX influence they wanted to throw into this. It was, uh, it's amazing that this era did as, did as much as it did. Like considering, well, I mean, I, I suppose if you look at the competition, I guess, you know why this era is doing as much as it's doing, but with all that being said, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think we look back on the, the attitude era with rose colored glasses for sure. Uh, definitely more. It, I, I'd say like some of the storylines I think still hold up, but the in-ring stuff, like you, you, you talked about however many matches on this card could he use an extra five minutes. Yeah. And there just was no, like the Hardys were really the only people on this show, aside from like X-Pac to a degree who were really like, you know, bringing the pace up for a lot of this stuff. And also the acolytes too, to a degree, but it just wasn't. We need. We it took a little bit of time before, like, and the, the next big person who kind of got going and allowed them to have more people in the in the main event picture was was Kurt Angle, because by No Way Out he was having his match with with like he won the IC title in No Way Out, right? So that that's when things start to get going for him. But yeah, this was not great. No, not awesome. What, what, what would you give it out of five, Kyle? None of the matches were awful, and I'll give I, I'll give this a little bit of a bump because of uh, Triple H Cactus Jack because I do think that was a legitimately good match, even if it was very violent. This is a, a two point five show. It's, you know, it's there. I wouldn't go on my way to watch anything aside from maybe that match again, but. Ever, all of these shows had, or all these matches had potential, and none of them were terrible. The Miss WrestleMania or the Miss uh, Rumble thing was awful, but none of the matches themselves were terrible. But nothing really stood out As, aside from Foley and uh, Triple H. Nothing really stood out. No, yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to give it a two just because the the Miss Royal Rumble thing was it was just it was and it was like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, like it did. Like, we could have given so much more time to some of these matches, but we had to parade women around in bubble wrap. It was, it was so weird. It was so, it's just sort of uncomfortable. And you know, I'm glad 
we've come a long way in that regard, but Jesus, it's, it is amazing how late we get before you know, women are even allowed to really wrestle. This is true. Uh, Kyle, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about our Royal Rumble pool. And before we get out of here, I think, I think, considering that the winner of the Royal Rumble pool gets to choose the show we review next month, I think we should announce our WrestleMania. Uh, all right. What, so which WrestleMania are you wanting to do? Well, let's, let's make it interesting. Um, so how, how, what, how many WrestleManias are we at right now? Uh, this one, this one upcoming is going to be 40. 40. So we have 30, or we, we don't have 39 options because we've done, uh, I believe. We did two. We've done 21. And we have done, I have to go back and see all the ones that we've done. It's already. Austin. It's Austin Hart. What is that, 10 or 13? Uh, oh, God. Austin Hart. That was, that was like I said, 13. Okay. I mean, we could we could do McMahon in every corner, but I, I just I've I've you know, I've seen that one so many times, and I would rather wait to do that. Why don't we do okay. seventeen? Okay, so how about this? Okay, all right, because I I I am interested in doing that. So you want to do WrestleMania seventeen? Okay, I'm going to say I would like to do WrestleMania thirty. So here's what we're going to do: we're going to have our Royal Rumble pool. Whichever one of us wins between the two of us gets to pick which WrestleMania that we're doing. Okay, cool, cool. I like it. So we're either going to do WrestleMania 30 or we're going to do WrestleMania X7. Um, we'll let you know uh, during next month's Rewind what that which show we ended up doing. And yeah, the Royal Rumble pool will go live tomorrow. So everybody be feel free to check that out. Uh, you'll be able to find links to that on our social medias, follow wallop media on Twitter, follow us on, on Instagram, follow us on, on Facebook. If you find wallop media there, you'll have a link to be able to do the Royal rumble pool. We got a bunch of entrants last year. Yeah. Uh, I think we ended up getting uh, 14 or 15 people in it last year. Love to get even more in it this year. So anybody who's interested, feel free to fill that out. Uh, we've got lots of, we'll have lots of questions on there. And the person who is the winner, we will announce that on a show later on, probably our February, um, our February news show. I think we'll wall up a roundup in February. We'll announce who the winner was. And we'll let them decide what show they're going to have us review in February. Uh, yeah, that'll be great, man. All right. So uh, unless you got anything else, anything else you want to say to sort of uh, tie this all together, wrap everything up today? He uh, <laughs> put me on the spot. Um, no, I think uh, it was I'm, I'm happy you chose this one because, again, we got to at least watch a, a great deathmatch style match and i mean it is history in a in a you know in a certain aspect it's interesting to always go back to the early 2000s to find out how long ago it was or how not long ago it was that society was very different and uh how much we've changed for the better it's th that was the, what i took out of this is in 24 years society has come a long way yeah long way to go still uh but yes. we're we're getting there 
Uh, anyway, uh, for everyone who's listened to this, thank you for listening all the way to the end of this show. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been walloped. Yo! You're listening to Wallop Rewind with Kyle Joseph and Riley Turner. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.